Clients On Demand teaches coaches, service providers, and thought leaders how to attract the right clients at the right price anytime they want. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a sustainable seven or eight figure business that changes the world and gets results for clients without sacrificing your freedom? If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. All this information is 100% free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. Welcome to today's show. It's great to have you here. I'm here with the amazing Jane Jewell, who's our managing director here at Clients on Demand and one of the best mindset coaches on the planet, best of the best. And so today we wanted to come on and talk about how to silence your inner critic so that you can finally get on with your life's work. This is something that we see on an ongoing basis. We see our clients, we see people come to us all the time who are so paralyzed by fear and self-doubt. And sometimes they might have some very good reasons for that, or it might feel like they have some very good reasons for that, but they can't seem to get over it. They can't seem to get past it. You're constantly thinking these negative thoughts and that inner monologue just won't turn off and let you do the things that you really need to do. So since Jane is one of the best mindset coaches on the planet, We wanted to address this topic today because if you're stuck in that where it's paralyzing you and it's it's preventing you from moving forward and creating the life that you want, you really need to have strategies for how to deal with it like once and for all, deal with it in a powerful way so that even if you're thinking those thoughts, it's not going to paralyze you. It's not going to pull you off course. It's not going to force you to make bad decisions. So Jane, welcome. It's great to have you here. Hey. So yeah, the I think the first mistake when you're thinking about this inner critic or this voice that's inside your head that's not being very nice, is that you're judging that the voice shouldn't be there, that the critic shouldn't be there. I shouldn't have these feelings. So then not only do you have this, you know, ugly, mean voice saying things that are probably not true, now you're making yourself wrong for having this voice. And we judge ourselves that we should be more evolved than this, that these things shouldn't be stopping us. These things should not be in our way. So the problem is, is then not only are you trying to move through this inner critic, but you're also trying to stop yourself from judging yourself. And that's where we get stuck is thinking that it shouldn't be there at all. So one of the first things that I think is important is to accept that you're having that thought, like let it be okay that you're having that thought. It's okay that you're being mean sometimes. Sometimes we're not nice. (laughs) Sometimes we say things that aren't true. Sometimes we focus on things that are not true. And in accepting that and not making it wrong, like your feelings wrong or your thoughts wrong, can give you a whole lot of freedom to then move through that inner critic. But that's the first thing that needs to happen. So I do this all the time. So it's almost like you have you have the bad feeling, the like the oh my god, what if this doesn't work, or what if what if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, or moves through. Yeah, what if I lose, or what if I what if I fail, what if I get stuck, whatever it might be. And then you start to have that bad thought, and then you immediately pile on top of that, getting on your own case for having the thought in the first place. And so that just makes you feel even worse. I shouldn't be feeling this way. If I was the person I want to be, if I was the entrepreneur I want to be, I wouldn't be feeling this way. You know, I bet you know I don't. Elon Musk probably never gets scared or, you know, like Bill Gates or whoever you admire never gets scared. But all that's nonsense because everyone who's doing anything worthwhile is scared all the time. Yeah. And that's kind of the secret that people don't understand. What, what matters is what you choose to do with that fear when you feel it. And I would even say that if you're not feeling any fear whatsoever and you never have any moments of self-doubt or any moments of trepidation, it's actually a sign that you're not playing a big enough game. Mm. Because where you want to be operating 
It's right on the edge of that comfort zone where whatever that is for you, you want to be pushing against your boundaries, pushing against your limits, because that's how you grow and expand. And if you're just like operating and it's just, ah, it's another day at the office and it's all good and you never feel that fear or self-doubt or trepidation, you're not expanding. You're not, you're not moving forward. So when you have that fear, not only should you accept it like you're talking about, Jane, and just accept it as something that everybody feels where you're just not even going to get on your, your own case about it. But what I've trained myself to do is actually use that fear as a sign that I'm doing something worthwhile. Because if I'm not a little bit scared, it means I'm playing it safe. And that's like the piece of death. So the big thing for you is you use it as a trigger, right? If I'm feeling a little uncertain, I'm going to accept that and go, oh my gosh, this must be mean that I'm about to do something big. This must mean that I'm about to grow. This must mean that we're up to, you know, we were just talking about uh, our business and the, the next level that we're taking that. And it's like, that's like, you know, the, your, your critic is going to come up in those moments. Mm-hmm. But if you accept it, like when that comes up, that means I'm up to something big. It makes it a whole lot easier to embrace it and not make it wrong. Right. And I mean, I wasn't, I want everyone to, to, to know this isn't something that I was like born doing because I used to do exactly what we're talking about. I still do it sometimes, but I had to train myself to, like you said, look at that as like a trigger when I'm feeling the fear. It's like, oh, okay, okay. You know, it's getting real. We're doing something worthwhile. And you can also allow that to create a little bit of buzz where you you get this little fear energy, this little twinge of excitement, almost like just before you give a big speech, maybe you're just before you give a big webinar, just before you do something that has the power to change your life, just before you do a sales call, you get that little bit of nerves. That can actually be a huge, huge, huge source of energy for you where it dials you in and, and makes you feel alive, where you're you're paying more attention and you're more focused and you're more on fire. So that fear, if you just accept it, can actually be a source of tremendous energy and power. Yeah, I, I agree full on. And to think that we shouldn't feel fear or we shouldn't feel uncertain ever is, is just not enjoyable. Like if you had to ask yourself when you're feeling those things like and you're making yourself wrong, it's like, does this make me feel good and put me in action? Or does this make me feel bad and paralyze me from taking action? And so the only time that you want to take a look at your inner critic and moving through that and, and it's like when it's, it's paralyzing you from taking action, that's when you want to really take a look at it and realize, okay, I'm judging myself even for having it. So first off, I'm going to accept that this voice is in my head. That's the very first step. It's okay. I accept that I'm having this fear. And even talk to yourself like you would talk to a friend. It's amazing to me that that voice that's going on our head, it is so darn mean. And it says stuff and judges and worries so much and says things that you would never think to say to your friend, to your neighbor, to someone that you love. You would never say those things. But oftentimes we don't extend ourselves that same kindness. It's so easy to be mean to ourselves. It's so easy to treat ourselves badly or to judge ourselves. But sometimes when I'm in this situation and I'm really stuck, what I'll do is kind of pull myself out of it and I'll think, okay, well, if my son was in this situation, what would I tell him to do? Mm-hmm. And granted, my son's only two, so he's not doing like online marketing and stuff. But I think, like, what if he was? And that automatically shifts my perspective because it's like if I'm thinking about something and it's like I know it's something I should do, but I'm full of doubt and it's like, oh my god, should I go for it? And what if it doesn't work out? And I think to myself, well, what would I tell my son? Well, of course I would tell my son to go for it. You know, of course I would tell my son that he can do this. Of course I would tell my son that he's good enough. I would tell my son that he's smart enough that he can make this work. And when I step outside of myself and think about that, I think, well, then the answer becomes obvious so much of the time. I love that. Yeah. 
just, you know, whether it's your son, whether it's a friend, but once you accept that thought and then you say, how else could I think about this right now? Or what would I say to my best friend? What would I say to my son? What is the truth here? What's really going on? And that is one of my favorite questions is to diagnose the problem is to ask yourself, what is really going on? What's happening here? And spend some time just pulling that apart because usually there's something underneath there that you can just take a look at. And once you pinpoint what's really going on, then you can get to the truth because you realize this thing that you think is happening is actually just a story that's made up. That's the thing. That's the thing is most of the time, the thing that we're afraid of is never something that's happening right now in our environment. It's something that we think might maybe could happen if we do the thing that we're afraid to do, but it isn't happening now. It isn't happening today. It's not real right now. And so once you realize that, you realize exactly what you just said, that you've created something imaginary in your mind that isn't real and it isn't happening. Now, the problem is that the way that human beings operate is that our subconscious can't really tell the difference between something we're experiencing now and something that we're just imagining. But, but once you realize that, that you know, you're still going to feel your heartbeat, you're still going to feel the fear response. But if you can take a step back in that moment and ask yourself, like you just said, what's really going on? What's happening right now? What's true right now? You realize this thing I'm afraid of, it's not even happening. So why am, I, why am I even bothering to be afraid of it? Why don't I just deal with what's in front of me and make the proper choice today, right now, in this moment? Fear is not happening, like you're saying. It's not happening in the now. It's you're imagining yourself into the future and doing like what ifs. Like what ifs all over the place, you know, it would be like sitting here and saying, well, one day I might be driving my car and it might be snowing and I might slip on ice and I might hit a tree and like, just like living forward, forward, like that's going to happen. That could prevent you from driving (laughs) or driving in the snow, but it's not happening in the moment, but we put ourselves so much focus into that, that we actually feel that fear in that exact moment because you're creating a story that could happen in the future. And then once your emotions get attached to that and you're feeling that emotions, now you're like on this train of emotion that is so hard to stop and put the brakes on. But if you notice, soon as you start going into that, that critic, that, that place where you're saying things that you shouldn't be saying, the what ifs, what if I can't do it? and comparing yourself, and you notice it's stopping you from taking action, that should be your trigger of of asking like, what's really going on? Yeah. So I want to go back to that because you mentioned that before. You said we were talking about how everybody experiences fear, everybody experiences self-doubt, and you want to just accept it as part of the process. And if you can, let it be a trigger to like a a signal that, oh, I'm, I'm actually doing something worthwhile. I'm doing something that could change my life. That's cool. But you mentioned that the problem isn't that you're feeling it in the first place. The problem is what you do with it. Do you allow it to paralyze you or pull you off track? Or do you stay focused and stay in action even though you're feeling that fear? What's the difference? How do you do that in the moment when fear is sort of like paralyzing you a little bit? And, you, and it's like, do I, do I stop or do I go forward? How do you control that in the moment? You know, I think that I've done this a lot of different ways. Well, most, share share what you usually do, and then yeah, yeah. So most writing. of my training, like in the my early years, now that I'm old and wise, <laughs> is to will myself to it. Like, like I I push through. You know, you do it anyway. Feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, uh, make your move. You know, it was very much 
a, a part of my life. And I think there's still value in that at times. There are times that, you know, if you're really in a moment of fear or a moment where you have to shift your state radically to deliver upon something, that that is such an important skill to have. That in a moment, you can change your physiology, you can change what you're focusing on and handle the situation. For that, I am eternally grateful that I've spent a big part of my life developing that skill set. That, you know, chaos could be happening around me and I've developed the ability to go, what's my outcome? What needs to happen? And change my state in a moment to get that done. And I think that that's something that everyone should cultivate that ability to do that. And and it happens in very small um, little pieces of your life and then also really big, important things. You know, let's just say someone calls you up on stage and you didn't know you were going to be able to do a speech. Like you could like constrict you and you could be, oh my God, I'm so scared. Or you could have that skill set and that muscle to be able to change your emotional state in that moment and just get up there and deliver no matter what. And then there's small places that like it it sneaks up on you as well. I remember when uh, my son was like three, he got really, really sick and he was in the hospital and they ended up having to do all these tests on them. And they were like, listen, mom, they they say to me, if you don't think you can handle this, like if you can't stop crying through this, we're going to need you to leave the room because your emotions can't be in the way of us performing these, you know, things. And right there, it's like, I went, bam, nope, I'm good. What do you need? Right? Like you just snap in and that's a muscle that everyone should cultivate. Mm -hmm. Here's what I also think. I think that sometimes that muscling, it's not sustainable throughout time. It's good for a pop and it's good to get a result and everybody should have it. And when there's something that's going on through a longer space of time, you also have to take a minute to move through your emotions when there's time. There's not time necessarily to move through your emotions and process. Why am I afraid to get on stage? And why is this bothering me that my son is sick? Right? Like in those moments, you need to have that pop of strength. But in moments of like, hey, you know what? I really want to start this business, but I'm afraid. Like, who am I to really coach people? What if people don't think I'm good enough? Those kind of inner critic things, those are things that you do have to process. You have to move through those. And so one of the things that I do is that's when I diagnose, like, where is this really coming from? Like, what is this belief? What is this voice really coming from? And first off, think it, you know what? I'm going to allow myself to feel it. I'm not going to live there. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to be sad and droopy all the time, but I'm going to take a beat and look at what is this emotion? Thank this emotion for showing up and then start processing it. And a big part of the way I do that too is acknowledging it, accepting it. But even then it has to be a shift in my physiology where it's like you cannot fix things or process things when you're in a complete state of meltdown. So your physical posture, when you're when you're upset, when you're afraid, you're breathing a certain way, you're holding yourself a certain way, and then you pick yourself up and immediately when you make that physiological change, you actually have an emotional change that goes with it. Yeah, it sounds so crazy and it works. Like, so if I'm feeling any kind of fear around it, if I just even put my hand in my heart, I'm just like, okay, I accept that I'm feeling this fear. It's okay that I'm feeling this. This is okay. It's a warning sign for something that I'm, that I'm ready to grow. Okay. I'm accepting it. What's next? Yeah. You know, what do I want to feel? What is this really about? What is it that I'm wanting to do that I'm resisting? You know, it's just, there's a different way of going through and unpacking all of that. That's great. That's great. I love that. I love that. Remembering just to change your physiology in the moment so that 
you're accessing all of these these unconscious resources that spring into play. Like when you're depressed, if you just like pull the corners of your mouth up like this, it's really hard to keep feeling depressed because your brain is created this feedback loop where just the act of smiling releases all these positive neurotransmitters and, and it, you know, it can short circuit sort of what you're feeling. For me, when I'm trying to process like some major fear or some major doubt. What I find, Jane, is that the, the fear and the doubt comes when I'm asking the wrong questions. When I'm asking, well, what happens if this doesn't work out? What happens if this is a disaster? What happens if they don't like me? What happens if, you know, blah, blah, blah. But to ask yourself, okay, well, what happens if this goes great? What happens if I get everything I wanted? What happens if we knock this out of the park? When you train yourself to shift your focus that way, see, the thing is, I think your thoughts sort of tend to spiral. You have the one negative thought and then what happens if this doesn't go right? Well, then this will happen and then this will happen and this bad thing and you can just kind of work yourself into this downward spiral where the negative emotions getting more and more and more and more intense. But when you can see your, your thoughts starting to sort of move in that direction and then you can ask yourself a different question and you really roll with that thought, then you find yourself ramping up the positive emotions where it's like, well, well, then this would work out and then that would work out and then wouldn't that be incredible? And then maybe we can build this, this incredible multi-million dollar company and then wouldn't that be amazing? And then we can go on vacation and then we can do all these other things. I train and condition myself to live in that reality as much as I possibly can. And maybe I'll take trips down just to see, okay, well, what is the worst case scenario? So I'm prepared for it. But the more that I can spend my time, but I don't live there, the more I can live here at that higher level, the more powerful I, I become in everything in my life. And it's it's not easy. But the cool thing about the subconscious is it's trainable. You can you can condition it. You can create habits and you can create habits just like you wake up in the morning and you, you know, the first thing you do maybe is you grab your phone and you check Facebook, right? Which isn't the best habit for people to have, but you condition that habit and then it becomes automatic. You can do the same thing with the way that you think, where you can train yourself to, instead of visualizing the worst case scenario all the time and living there, you can ask yourself, well, what's the best case scenario? And then living there. And I just find when I do that, I get so much more resourceful and so much more able to, to think outside the box and get creative and find solutions and make good decisions. And it's it's essential if you really want to be a thought leader and you really want to inspire people, they have to, you have to be excited first and then you can give them things to be excited about. That's so great. I think one of the best things that served me is just doing what's next. Yeah. Just do what's next. You know, as you know, Russ, I'm making this big move with my family going from, you know, a cross country move. And, you know, it's kind of a big deal. We've lived yeah, here yeah. for, you know, 12 years. I've raised my babies here. We have family here. I have this community of amazing, amazing friends. And then we're like, we're going to move. And it, I remember this feeling of like inside my head, I was like, okay, we're going to move. And if it's easy, you know, I'm, I'm going to move if it's easy, like, like this has got to be an easy and it's not really easy, but like, like, what if it was like, what if we just like, it ended up being just, just easy instead of focusing on all of the things that have to happen in order to do this move. It was just like, do what's next, do what's next. And, you know, you could look back on Russ, you know, this in the past, you know, what 90 120 days my life has been like a roller coaster my yeah, brother passed like away you know I'm like there's so many different pieces in the middle of it there's this move and there were so many times where we could have just said no stop it's too hard right now and that would have been okay too but what allowed this move to happen was just doing what's next mm -hmm. you know what what's next is we're gonna we're gonna clean out the house okay great what's next is we're gonna start talking to people about moving okay great Oh, what was next is somebody went to buy my house and we never even had it in the market. And it was because it's like, we just kept going to what's next and what's next. 
And, you know, oh, we sold our house. I guess we better go to Nashville and look for a place to live. Okay, what's next? I guess we need to get a mortgage. Okay, what's next? You know, but if with what happened is I stood in what was next of cleaning out my house and I started focusing on how hard it would be to drive let's just say my family across country, there'd be so many ways to get stopped. And I think this happens so much when people start to create a business is they start thinking, in fact, I was in the help desk helping Ryan with some with some help tickets and, and some coaching today. And I looked at someone's help ticket and they're like, well, um, when I'm delivering my program and if I have 50 people in my program, how am I going to do all of the Q&A calls and do all the coaching? And they're already worried about that. And, and it's, it's like, like 10, it's like, that's like 10 problems away. Like let's there's get you five clients. Yeah. Right? Let's get your first five clients and then we'll deal with it. You know? Yeah. And it's, and that's what gets us in trouble. That's right. what we get overwhelmed is when we're trying to solve problems that are so far down the line that now that inner critic comes up. That's huge. And I also find that one of the big keys to confidence or the big keys to silencing that inner critic is to is to be following a strategy that works. Because so many of the people come to us and they have doubts about like, well, what if I spend money on Facebook and and it doesn't work? Or maybe I've been spending money on Facebook and it hasn't been working. Or I've been blogging and I'm not getting the clients I want. Or I've been podcasting or you know, I've got three books out and it isn't working. Why isn't it working? And so in a case like that, where people are trying to do great things and it isn't working, that fear gets worse and worse and worse because they're collecting all of this evidence that the worst case scenario is true. So if you try something and fail and you try something and fail and you try something and fail, a lot of the times that can begin to eat away at your confidence. I mean, just naturally. But the key to overcoming that is to have a strategy that works. So if people have been following a strategy that isn't optimal, maybe you're just sitting there going, well, if I you know, write a bunch of blog posts, eventually I'll get my first client. Or if I go to enough events or go to enough meetings, eventually I'll get a client. It's like all of those strategies are the strategies that everyone else seems to be teaching, but they're just not optimal. They just they just don't work well. And so the flip side of that is if you've got a strategy that works and you can see other people using that strategy and you can see other people winning, and maybe you haven't started winning yet. Maybe you're just kind of getting started, but you can say, oh, wait, this guy and this guy and that girl and that girl, they're doing the exact same thing. They're all following the same strategy and they're succeeding and they're winning and they're crushing it. That does the opposite thing where now instead of giving yourself evidence of failure, which is what you've been doing, now you're giving yourself evidence of success where you see, oh, that person made it and that person made it and that person made it. And hell, if they can do it, maybe I can do it too. And then you follow a strategy that works and a strategy that makes sense. And then that begins to bear fruit. So if you're just living in a bubble by yourself and you're trying to cobble together a strategy from YouTube or maybe from different books or whatever, and you're kind of just flailing around, it's very tough to win because all you've got to go on is your own life and your own experiences. But if you're plugged into a strategy that works and you're surrounded by a community of people that are making that strategy work and who will support you and who'll be behind you and root for you, then you've got something powerful because you've got, you can, all you have to do is look around and you'll see all these people who are winning and all these people who are making it. And when you're in that community, it's, it's really, really hard not to, not to at least begin to win and begin to succeed and have a lot more faith and confidence. Yeah. You start thriving off that energy too. Yeah. It's contagious. It's contagious. So, you also have to take a look, guys, is who are you surrounding yourself with? What strategy are you following? Are you surrounding yourself with people that are succeeding and crushing it? Or are you surrounding yourself with nobody? You know, or you're you're just looking at what you see in the newsfeed every day and you're not really participating in something that can create the outcomes and the, and the life that you want. In that case, you're gonna feel fear because in that case, those fears are justified. 
of course, you're going to be afraid that you're not going to make it because you don't know what the hell you're doing. So take a look at that. Take a serious look at that and say, okay, well, do I have a start to finish strategy? Do I have a start to finish strategy for, first of all, managing my own mindset like we've been talking about, but also for attracting new clients, enrolling them into the programs that you want, and then delivering on your service in a powerful way. If you don't have a strategy for doing all four of those things at the same time, and if you're not surrounded by a group of people who are, who are supporting you as you execute that strategy, then you're just doing this on your own. And it's so tough, not just from a mindset perspective, but even if you are confident and you are courageous and you are full of faith, it's still the deck is stacked against you because there's so many potential mistakes and pitfalls that you can make along the way. But if you've got a great strategy and you've got great people supporting you through it, they will show you, oh no, wait, there's a landmine there. Don't step on that. There's a big trap over there. Don't fall into that. Do this instead. This is the right way. I mean, even just in the, the settings in your Facebook ads, there are so many tiny little details that if you don't get them exactly right, they can sink your whole freaking campaign. And if you, if you don't know what to look for, you might try to just throw some ads up on Facebook and then they don't work. And then you tell yourself the story. Oh, well, I guess Facebook ads don't work. But they do if you do it right, if you have the proper strategy. So guys, look, if that's something that you're looking for, I'd love to have our team talk to you about how we can help you create that. How are you going to deal with your mindset? How are you going to attract the clients you want? How are you going to enroll them at premium price points? And then how are you going to deliver your service in a leveraged way that just blows them away where they're super happy with what they've gotten, but you still have the freedom to live your life? If that's what you want, then I want to invite you to book a call with our team. And to do that, go to clientsondemand.com forward slash call. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we can look at, hey, what are you doing now? What's working? What's not working? And what can we do to help you create the income and the lifestyle and the impact that you really, really want? So go to clientsondemand.com forward slash call and you'll get to work with really great people like Jane and me and we can help you and coach you through all of these things. Absolutely. So guys, that's it for us today. Make sure you're working on your mindset every single day. If you're listening to this on iTunes, you can actually follow us on Facebook too. Go to our business page. It's Russ Rafino's Clients on Demand. You can find that on Facebook. You can also join our free Facebook group, The Art of High Ticket Selling. And if you're watching this on Facebook and you actually want to take this with you, we also have a podcast, which is The Clients on Demand Podcast. You can find that in iTunes. Thanks, JJ. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with Clients On Demand, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to clientsondemand.com forward slash call. That's clientsondemand.com forward slash call and book an appointment to speak to our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and we'll get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, the exact price you should be charging. Number two, the exact target audience you should be going after. And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to reach them. Remember, scaling your coaching or service business does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. Now, we've helped clients all over the world scale their businesses to six and seven figures while enjoying life and making the world a better place along the way. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to clientsondemand.com forward slash call. I'm Russ Rafino, and let's talk soon.